Welcome to Q&A Selling Online with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Welcome back, my friends. Today, we have the founder of YLT Translations, an Amazon-dedicated translation agency with translations background in five languages that she speaks. She decided to quit her regular job working in a leading Danish e-commerce to start her own agency. She's been working with seven to nine figure sellers in the past two years and provides all type of translations and services for sellers and need to expand to international markets, specifically on Amazon. We have Jana Krekic. Jana, how's it going? Hi, King. Thanks for having me today. I'm doing great. Thanks. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank so do you, Yana, do you specialize on Amazon only or it doesn't really matter, right? It could be any kind of e-commerce that needs translation. Exactly. So we um, actually, when we first started, as you said, I, I quit my job. That was about two and a half years ago. And I've always wanted to have my own translation agency because I have languages background. Uh, you know, I got ma- bachelor's and master's. I studied languages. This that, that has always been my passion. So I just always wanted to combine e-commerce, which was something that I was always interested in, Amazon and translation. So we first started with e-commerce translation. So that was basically everything for website translations, marketing translations, anything. And then I just decided to kind of niche down about a year and a half ago and start working also on Amazon uh, translations. But we basically, um, we basically do everything which you need for your online business. Very good. And YLT translations is your business and it's YLT is your listing translations. Exactly. Your listing translations. That's right. Awesome. What, What languages do you speak? I speak uh, Danish, Norwegian, English, German, and French. Oh, I also wow. speak Serbian, but that's my native, so I didn't mention that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. No, I, I know, I know three, and uh, I always thought I was lucky because, uh, you know, I know a little bit, a little bit of English, <laughs> and uh, uh, Spanish and Portuguese, and um, up until recently, kind of the Portuguese was not very useful for e-commerce. Or for Amazon, I mean, because there was no Amazon in Brazil and there was no Amazon in Portugal either. But now there is. Now there is one in Brazil and uh, it's cool because there's millions and millions and millions of people that speak. Exactly. It's a very, very big market with a lot of opportunities. I just think that... um, the sellers have not explored it enough, you know. Um, I mean, it's it's like, I mean, I would not compare it to the Japanese market, but I will also say that the Japanese market is very, very big. It's like over 100 million, um, you know, possible uh, buyers over there. Um, people have started selling on that market, but I also think that it's a little bit underrated because of the problem and barrier with language, alphabet. A lot of people it's like think that it's really hard to ship the products there, but it's actually not. I just think that, you know, people should maybe, you know, focus their efforts on some very big and still uh, unknown markets to um, a lot of sellers to kind of get that edge. Everybody wants to get ahead of their competition. Absolutely. I actually, a few years ago, I launched one of my private label products on uh, Amazon Japan. And this was because uh, Amazon was trying to grow the Japanese market and they wanted U.S. or North American sellers there. So they, they actually emailed me 
and they had an email with a bunch of benefits that you have from selling in Japan, which is being uh, first couple of years tax free or exactly, yeah. or up to a few uh, whatever sixty thousand dollars, whatever you you reach first. And so anyway, I launched one of the products, and I got somebody to translate my listing and my label, so I had to change the label too. Okay, and. Uh, this is where I found out that everything is not super straightforward like we sometimes expect because there's so uh, two different Japanese languages as well. Exactly. And there's an English Japanese and then there's mm -hmm. traditional Japanese and you want to incorporate kind of both in that, you know, also the keywords. Yeah, it's, um, it's really, yeah, it's really interesting how the language works. But, you know, I think if you find somebody who knows Amazon and who knows how the target audience thinks and what they might look for, because, you know, you don't have any tools which are going to help you search for keywords. So it's basically like a lot of manual work, but you can still um, have a really good listing. Absolutely. And, and one of the things I know we shouldn't do, I'm going to ask you about that, but I've, I'm no expert when it comes to language translation, but I know... I should never use Google Translate for my listings. Is that right? Well, that's that's absolutely right. And I got a lot of clients who actually use the Amazon Launchpad, and um, and they tell me like, I don't think that's like done very well. And it was like a free Amazon service, so we just kind of used it. And I always say free. And Amazon, in one sentence, does not sound like a winning combination. Mm -hmm. And actually, I think we can all agree on that, that you know, so, something which was given to us for free costs us the most at the end. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, uh, Google Translate, Translate is a basically a big no-no. Um, Google Translate has come a long way uh, for the past 10 years, so it got better. But it's nowhere to be, you know, compared with the human translation because there's like one important thing uh, where Google Translate always fails, and that is a context. So you cannot expect Google Translate to understand what what they're translating about or what this product is about and how the actual native speaker of the target market actually thinks. And that's where it kind of flaunts and that's where it fails miserably. And it's going to fail until we get some super smart robots in like maybe 200 years now. So that's basically my opinion. And whoever from my clients uh, approached us and said like, we got something done, it's Google Translate or Amazon Launchpad. It was pretty bad. There were like no keywords. Basically, it was a barely understandable text. And on one of my um, presentations, I, I used um, the keywords as a really um, good example of how you should not Google translate your keywords because we've got a lot of, let's say, UK and US customers. Most of them just speak English. And then they just tell us, okay, here are keywords and search terms we use for this listing. You should just translate them in Google Translate or whatever and just use them in your French listings. And that's absolutely wrong because what's important is that you have to understand that like this exact match of keywords, like let's say long tail keywords, so keywords consist of two or three words, they're not necessarily going to be used in the same combination like that in French. Yes. So if you translate them and use them, then you use them in your product 
product, if the customer types something like travel mug, like plastic travel mug, maybe your product is not going to show up because that's not how the actual French people are going to say it, you know? So you just actually really need a human touch in that. And you need someone who's going to do a proper keyword research for every market. You have to do it for every market. It doesn't matter if you already have that um, ready for the UK market or the US market. You really have to do a keyword research for each market separately. That's absolutely mandatory. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. And um, for you guys listening, uh, don't get me wrong. Google Translate can be used if you are traveling in another country and you need directions somewhere, pull out Google Translate and, and let them, because uh, it's easier if you're speaking to somebody, uh, you're not trying to sell them anything. You can use Google Translate to ask how to get to the, to the nearest theater or something. But when it comes to on your listing, conversion rates, I know that personally because I get turned off if I'm reading a listing and it doesn't make sense if I see that it's poorly written, it turns me off. And a lot of other people are like that as well, right? If it's not... De definitely, yeah. Because if you think like, okay, this is their listing and this is how little effort they put in it, this is how poorly it's done, then, you know, maybe this product is not going to be a high quality product or something else that I'm expecting to get from this product. So people get like really suspicious, you know, and people want, it's really interesting because it really depends from the market to market. And this is, this is where localization comes in. So for instance, if you have like a U.S. listing and you know that, you know, U.S. Uh, kind of uh, style is like really salesly, a little bit pushy, you know, like fabulous and awesome things and, you know, kind of, you know, phrases like that. You cannot use those phrases and that style in, for instance, German market. You cannot write a listing like that and present it for the German audience. Maybe they, they, they're not going to like it. They like it. Uh, so it's like really, um, you know, um, transparent, clear, and it has a clear structure. Mm -hmm. They don't want the, to be pushed to buy a product. They don't want like this, like, you know, kind of slang and salesy language you see like on TV shops and stuff like that. They don't like that. So if you want to just, you know, use your US listing and then use your regular translator, like you found on Fiverr or somewhere to translate it, it's going to be a source to target translation text. And that's something you don't want to do because you want to like kind of, live and breathe through this listing how the target audience will. So it's something they can relate with and say like, okay, this is going to, you want to sell the product to these people and you can do it just by, you know, localizing the text. That's very important. You need to have translator that's going to understand how does this market work? What do they like? What they don't like? And we have also like a lot of um, sellers because we also always do like, um, free audit checks on like already translated text when they ask us, look, we, we hired a translator, we have keywords and we have like different stuff. And it's, let's say it's a, it's a product, which is basically um, a good sell on every market, something for kids or maybe some baby products, you know, like um, toys or face paint. That's something which also always sells good on every market. And then they tell us like, look, but I don't think we're making enough sales in German, like some Germany, like something must be wrong here. And then one of the reasons uh, why I'm talking about this, because I'm always talking from our experience, is that we come across things that listings, um, when they're not localized enough, that they're just like mere translation of the US or the UK 
um, you know, text. And that's something which does not sound so appealing to the German, for instance, target mm -hmm. audience or French or Italian or any other European market because everybody has its own style and you need to kind of, you know, make it work for the, some other international market. Yeah. You know what, Yana, uh, there's re uh, one really good example that unfortunately happened to me. And mm -hmm. it was because when I was translating something once from Portuguese to English, I really didn't know. I had never used the term because it was related to makeup. And I had never even spoken about makeup before in English. So I didn't know the term used to when you're applying makeup. Ah, okay. In Portuguese language, you say you're painting your face. In right. <laughs> when you say that to a woman, go paint your face, it it's, doesn't sound nice. And I did that. And uh, luckily, I was uh, reprimanded and, re and that was repaired. So I explained it. But that kind of stuff, right? You can try to say something that you think is going to sound nice. And in fact, it's hurting you. So that's why, um, yeah, I agree 100%. We need to have somebody that actually speaks that language and understands the people that speak the language. Yeah, I also have a really uh, good example as well, and it's um, about uh, the keywords. And um, it was an Italian word, it was faucet, and this was for the Italian market. And um, uh, the, the word was faucet, and it was completely um, translated to Italian as the actual word faucet. But when you search for it on Amazon, Uh, when you search for it on Amazon, it doesn't show up the actual faucet, even though the Google Translate indeed translates it as the faucet, you know. Um, and then, like, you would search for Lavello, and that's when you will get the faucet, but that's some, nothing, something which is not going to be translated by Google Translate that way. So it means, like, you have to know, actually, what word is going to be used for that, you know, like, to be... You know, and also um, while I was working in this um, e-commerce, there was also like a lot of trouble with like paint and stuff. We had like an example, remember it clearly, it was uh, supposed to be translated for the Dutch market. And it was about like um, spare part for um, like spring, spring in your couch. And it was translated for like a spring as like in a season of the yes. year, you know. Mm -hmm. And people just like reading the like, you know, in spring, you will get, uh, you know, your spring in the couch, like, but referring to autumn, mm -hmm. you know. So like a lot of things can like really happen because a lot of things can really happen because of the problem, you know, of that. Exactly. You know, Mitsubishi, the, the car manufacturer. Yeah. They had a four by four that they launched in most of the countries in the world and in spanish-speaking countries they had to remove that brand re uh, remove yes the, that model and change its name because that name in spanish countries was a swear word yes exactly and, i know about rest, that example. in the rest of the yeah. world it worked fine uh, for example portugal had it in spain which is one hour drive did not have that vehicle right <laughs> yeah 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 exactly but that's also something which is really interesting and that's uh, market uh, research i'm pretty sure uh, a lot of you guys know what happened to dolce gabbana for instance like they wanted to launch this new campaign and in this new campaign they presented in a video they presented like um, an asian girl eating pizza with her chopsticks 
Mm. And the, the Chinese people, just they found it very, very offensive. They're very sensitive when it comes to their culture. And basically what they did is they banned all Dolce Gabbana uh, merchandise from their uh, e-commerces, which ended like in a big disaster. And for instance, like an example from the States is that uh, Kim Kardashian, she wanted to launch her shapewear products and she named them Kim Ono which was very offensive to Japanese uh, people. And uh, the, the mayor of Tokyo was like, you know, you really have to change your name of the product. It's like really not good. We're not going to sue you, but, you know, you should do it. You know, so it was like very, very, you know, it's a very sensitive thing. And you always have to double check everything for each market. It doesn't matter if it's the car name or any other model, which can be offensive for, you know, the other market. You know, you really have to do your, do your um, market research properly, you know, because all these are, you know, examples of failure in that field. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to keyword research, what are some of the reasons why we would want a professional translating our listings or actually doing our keyword research? Because that's something you do as well, right? Keyword research. And exactly. Foreign that's, that's, that's very important. I mean, you know, sometimes you can have a really good product and then, you know, if your listing is not good or keywords, if it's got a good product, it's going to sell. If you're a big brand, you know, if you check like Nike's or Adidas on Amazon, um, their listings are pretty, pretty poor. They maybe have three bullets, like max, like 50 words for a total listing, but you know, hey, they're like really big brands, so they don't really put a lot of effort in the listings. Products are gonna sell because they're Nikes. But what you can do if you're not a big brand or if you're a small to medium seller is the keyword research that's very, very important. And we like to use a couple of tools. Um, of course, for, for us, like the best results are from Helium 10. Um, you have to pay it for pay for it, of course. But I think you have like two or three ASINs to look up um, uh, on the free uh, plan. But um, you, ca you can have also a free tool. It's called Sonar. Sonar gives you like results for all European um, markets and the U.S. market, and it's for free. It doesn't give give a lot of uh, information, but you get search volume for keywords, which is really important. And a tool which I really really like is actually an add-on. It's called AMZ Suggestion Expander. And uh, it's really neat because if you have like, uh, sometimes when you sell a product and they're not a lot of competitors selling the same product, sometimes you don't get enough uh, from your keyword database by using these tools. But with this AMZ suggestion expander, you can just like type in a word, for instance, like travel mug, and then you can see uh, a drop down menu and then you can see what combinations of keywords can come before or after. And it's all extracted from the whole Amazon and all similar products. The only downside to this tool is that you actually uh, don't get any search volume, but you can get keywords. So some, it's a really good option to combine the tools plus this little tool uh, because you can have like a really good um, uh, competitor keywords also inserted in that. Yeah, yeah, and I use Helium 10 and uh, I find that a fantastic. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and of course, Sonar, Sonar tool, I use it as well. And I had never heard of AMZ Suggestion AMZ, AMZ yeah. Suggestion Expander. It's an add-on for Chrome browser. Chrome extension, okay. Yes, Chrome extension. You should download it, and then next time you search, you, you, you search for a product in a search field, you're mm -hmm. going to get a drop-down menu and you're going to see what combinations of keywords can come before. So they add another word before this, what you type, oh. and after. And it's pretty cool and I love it. Oh, gotcha. So I, yeah. know, I know now what it does, but I had never, uh, never used it. So 
it's pretty cool and we use it we use it a lot and it, it often gets really really good keyword combinations very good all right so how about when it comes to these translations how about going to fiverr and get a five dollar translator yeah, well, you know, that's what I just, uh, you know, previously shortly mentioned. You can go to Fiverr. It's fine. I mean, a lot of high quality people are there. But if you want to go to Fiverr and hire a translator, that would be the same as if I would go to my neighbor who studied in France and he's going to charge, you know, two times less than the regular pro professional mm -hmm. Amazon um, agency or translator. And I'm going to ask him like, hey, Josh, like, you know, would you like to do a listing for me? And he says, yeah, sure. Of course, I'm going to do it. Is this going to be a, you know, a good decision for me or for anybody else selling out there? Well, it's not going to be because what does Josh or somebody on Fiverr know about keyword research? Mm -hmm. What do they know about the lengths, about the algorithm? Like you really have to, you know, um, you have to be updated about the newest, you know, information in the industry. And we all know that the algorithm can change overnight and Amazon is never going to give us a heads up um, on that. And it's like, you know, the next morning you wake up, there are no reviews. Like what happened to my reviews? You know something has changed, you know, and you really have to uh, know uh, the limits of the length of the style. You have to know like what strategy for replacing your keywords you're going to use. You have to know what sort of backend search terms you want to put in your listing. You want to know that like, you want to get um, indexed for maximum of keywords uh, that mm -hmm. could be placed in listings. So there's like a big like actually strategy and knowledge you have to know, especially for Amazon. Uh, if you want to do the listing properly, your Fiverr translator, he can do, for instance, follow up emails, but those have to be also localized. So you can find a translator who says, I'm a good native translator and I know localization. So he can do the follow up emails, Q and A's. He can answer to your um, to messages from your customers, but he cannot do Amazon listing translations because mm -hmm. that, uh, that, that needs some training and the knowledge from the industry itself. Yeah, I, I agree with that because I think every listing needs to be written by somebody that knows a bit about the product, a bit about the algorithm, and also a bit of copywriting because... Uh, exactly. You need to you ha you need, you need to be like uh, either somebody who's going to have a background in SEO or if you're a journalist or somebody who can really feel and use the language. Uh, because a lot of people who are natives, they just say like, oh, he's the native translator. I hired him because he lives in Spain. And it doesn't necessarily mean that this person has a good knowledge of grammar or copywriting or how to write a good listing. So if you hear about your friend being in Spain, you know, just like because he has a Spanish passport, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that he's gifted for writing, you know. Hmm. So I would stay away from, you know, native translators who have zero experience in any of this type of translations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I I started my e-commerce career, or it wasn't really a career. It was uh, it was just a hobby at the time. But I started many years ago when I was living in Europe in the late nineties, mm -hmm. and so I didn't know. I didn't even know what the word SEO meant. I didn't even know if the word SEO existed yet. Yeah, yeah. It, maybe it wasn't even created yet, but. Um, probably not. Google did. Did Google even exist in '97? Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, uh, 
is it probably didn't exist the word SEO. But the thing is, when I created my listings back then, it was um, what a normal person probably right now would still write. And I remember writing something like black statues made of wood. That would yeah. be my listing, right? There was mm-hmm. um, back then there was no no bullet points or anything, but there was a description in the title. There was yes, description that that, yeah. zero characters, zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the title said, uh, "Black statues made of wood." That's it. And that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing else. And when you, yeah, yeah. And One I picture. think you know, <laughs> yeah. And you can see a lot of uh, listings like those. You know, they're called like grandfathered listings, mm-hmm. and uh, and no changes in the algorithm affect them. You know, and but if you try try to change them right now, you're probably gonna be banned. You'll be like, no, what is this? You know, <laughs> so like whoever has the grandfather listings, they just you know leave them like that, and so like let them be like that, because you know if you like make a small change in details and stuff, like Amazon's probably gonna ban your product because it's gonna be like, oh wait, like this has been here for like 25 years, you know, and you can still find some you know um, list listings like that, and you can also find there's like a, this ridiculous example of this um, uh, over keyword overstuffing. I just came across like recently uh, that listing, and it's still out there even though it shouldn't be, but it's basically a listing. Um, uh, they kind of max the title length, the bullets length, so like 499 characters for each bullet, and then the whole product description, and it all consists of only keywords. It's insane. Oh, and, and yeah, that's... and I was like, oh my god! Like I, um, I think I was uh, doing some competitor research on some product, and I, I was like, this looks weird. Like it can't be, and I clicked on it and i thought maybe like was the just the titles or the first bullet is going to be like that but it was like the whole listing was just like consists of only keywords that's insane and they have some sales that's like the most ridiculous thing <laughs> uh, you know what uh, years ago uh, on amazon in 2015 i created listings in amazon canada mm-hmm. and because amazon canada um uh, or not Amazon Canada, but Canada is bilingual. So right yes. there, there's a part of the population that speaks French. Mm-hmm. So Amazon accounts for that. So they allowed, I don't know if it's still the same, but back in 2015, we were allowed double the amount of characters on any listing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if you had 250 characters for your title, I could do. I could use 500. 500, yes. There were basically no... Yeah, no limits. I think that was basically a couple of years ago that they introduced all the lengths and stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, like about a year ago, they cut down on the search terms. Also, it's going to be like 249 bytes and not in five lines. And, exactly. you know, so they, they made some actually like very, very severe changes within the last like um, three, four years. Exactly. And you mentioned earlier uh, your, um, about the normal person not knowing about the keyword placing strategy. So yes. you want to tell us what yours is? Yeah. So according to our experience, so we don't uh, manage anybody's account, but I always uh, tend to get in touch with the clients, get their feedback, see how well they're indexing. And people, in 80%, they're willing to share this info because I really just, you know, I tell them it's like for our own statistics and, you know, to know how we can improve us our services. So basically what works best, I mean, definitely depending on the product uh, and the category, because as you 
now like some of the categories have le a length of the title up to 80 characters or 100 characters. So depending on the length, but let's say we're talking about 199. And uh, so it, ideally it would be that you put like three top um, high traffic keywords in the title for if you can squeeze it in. Um, and then when it comes to bullets, first two bullets are the most important ones. So you might want to focus on the highest traffic keywords in the first two bullets. Third, fourth, and fifth are, I mean, they're important, but you don't have to like put like the, some like very, very high traffic keywords there. And what's more, very important, if you don't have an A plus content, so if you don't have EBC um, and you just have the product description, you would also want to focus on the first two sentences of your product description to also put the highest traffic, um, um, highest ranking keywords yeah there as well because when people use mobile app uh, you have the title and then the product description shows up not the key features or the bullet but the product description comes first so you want to also you know be ranked good for that product description because according to the algorithm what a lot of people say is that first thousand characters get indexed so you really want to put the best character the best keywords in those first thousand um uh characters and you really want to do it rightly and you should never repeat keywords and by not repeating keywords i mean long tail keywords because you want to use more exact keywords to to, to for your product for instance if you're selling this uh, travel plastic mug if you just use like i don't know a keyword which is going to say mug it's not good because it's going to be too broad and your product going to show up with something which is not relevant you're not uh, going to get a click-through rate your product is going to ranking is going to go down and you're going to go lose your position and then you're going to lose time, money and PPC is going to go down and everything is going to make a mess. Um, so you want to use long tail keywords and you don't want to repeat them. And by not repeating them, uh, if, you, if you use plastic mug, travel mug, red mug, it doesn't mean that you're repeating because this mug is the part of a different keyword. And that's what people have to understand because you cannot use just like red or plastic or travel because those are going to be just like two broad keywords yeah. a lot of people say like no 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 like amazon can connect the dots they can put that it's connected to this one well that's what people say but we don't know this for sure so i wouldn't uh, bet that amazon is gonna you know connect the dots for every listing and for every keyword so i say that you should kind of use every long tail keyword once and not repeat keywords at the end of your listing which brings us to about 20 to 30 listings per, uh, sorry, keywords per listing. And plus, then you can use other uh, keywords in your backend. So I think that you can basically get indexed for about 30, 40 different keywords per listing, which is a decent number. Yeah. And I think what you, you mentioned there was the difference between keyword indexing and keyword ranking, because if you have red, mug, and uh, plastic, inside the listing somewhere randomly you you probably will get indexed for yes. the word mug yeah indexed yes exactly. but will you but get the ranking rank, ones yeah not. yeah no probably not because you don't want what people should know when they start international markets is that um, um you want to rank for very relevant keywords you don't want to lose time by being like relevant for red because as you know like when you start an international market there's like this um test period where uh algorithm and amazon they give you more 
more advantage than you should get as a, like a beginner's boost. Yeah. And you want to use this and you don't want to be you know, like doing some wrong stuff in the beginning. And also because these keywords from the listing, you're also going to be using them in your PPC campaigns. So what happens is that, you know, they're going to give you like this amazing boost and like skyrocket your listing in the beginning. But as soon as the algorithm understands that you're not relevant for red or plastic or travel, they're just gonna, you know, rank you poorly. You're gonna go to page number three, and then this is gonna be a lot of, a lot of uh, time used for nothing and a lot of money spent wrongly. And then a lot of people will just give up and be like, "Well, German market was not good for us." But if you do things rightly, especially when it comes to keywords, because you can use the same keywords for your PPC campaigns, this is something that you're gonna, you know, you're gonna put you on the right track. And also something which algorithm likes is that you kind of have constant increase in sales. So what is not good is that you have like two sales, the next day five sales, and then hundred sales, and then five hundred sales, and then three sales, and then fifty sales, and then one sale. Algorithm does doesn't like that. It's much better if you have like one sale, five sales, 10 sales, 11, but it's like constant growth. And algorithm life loves that. And that's what's going to push your listing towards the first page or better rank. Yes. And I'm glad you mentioned that because there's something that I haven't tested yet, but this is a theory that I have. And it's the fact that if I start targeting, for example, on a PPC campaign, and this is even even in North America, not even going to international markets. If mm -hmm. I try to target the keyword red, which I don't, but you know, let's say I, if I target the keyword red and I put a bid of 3 or $4 for the keyword red, even though my product is red, I am not going to get high conversion from the keyword red because if somebody no. searches for red, they may be looking for a dress and I'm selling exactly. a, a keyboard. Uh, yeah, so, you're gonna have a lot of uh, you're gonna have a lot of impressions, and people yes. are just gonna you know click and see your product, but then they're gonna go away. So your click through rate, if 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 algorithm sees a lot of impressions and zero click through rates, it's gonna be like a you know like that uh, in a red light. It's gonna be like oh, wait, 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 this is not something which we want to present. Uh, for this uh, buyer, and this is not relevant product. So you're not going to be shown next time, and you know, and like a hundred times later for red. Yep. And you want to remove the, the 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 keyword. I mean, basically, you should not begin with anything which is not done to actually narrow the choices for your product. You're gonna lead the 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 the, the customer directly to your product. So you want to uh, use exact, most exact matched possible. And the best way they can describe your product. And one really important, uh, not important, but it's maybe also an interesting thing, how you can also find the keywords relevant for your product are is in the reviews. And you, you mentioned they use Helium 10. You have this review downloader. So, for instance, uh, a lot of people find out that their um, uh, products have a different usage and that they're like problem solvers or something. You know, like we had a customer who was uh, selling this like a... Uh, paint marker for kids and then in one of the reviews the guy said like well i could fix like the the the, the paint on my chair like because it's like such a good like uh, black color and mm. it's really uh, durable and i really liked it more than paint and then if you see like a lot of people mentioning something like that then you can take you know that and use this keyword as your product being a problem solver and use it in your listings if you don't have like reviews, you can always go to your competitor who has a lot of reviews and also do the review downloader 
And then you can get keywords from his reviews and also get really good ideas for keywords they're using that way. So reviews are something also that you should be thought about when using uh, keywords. Yes, uh, I use that. And uh, I had Bradley Sutton here uh, on the show from Helium 10. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he did the yeah. collagen peptides where he shows the keywords with uh, coffee was the one that customers found. So mm -hmm. I started using that since yeah. as well for my list. Exactly. Yeah. So sometimes, um, not sometimes, but customers are very, very important to, to listen to. And uh, sometimes they can show us that our product can be used in so many other purposes. Yes. And uh, which were actually going to, which were actually going to be something that people are going to very happily search for, you know. So always find the reviews and just harvest them whatever you can. Yes, absolutely. And Jana, do you know, um, for example, you may know better than somebody that is not on another market because you have pro people as well working with you? Yes, I have a team of 35 people. And uh, on my team, there are uh, translators and uh, they're, you know, uh, wildly dedicated. And uh, we are uh, very happy to have a very, very good team and high quality people. Nice. And what I wanted to ask is, since you have these people that are actually in those markets, mm -hmm. it may be easier for you to know if my product is a good fit for that market, because I may think it is because it sells awesome in North America. Mm -hmm. But if I yeah. sell a certain product, for example, to Spain or to France, I might not get a single sale. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So sometimes like, um, I mean, I always ask clients like, uh, you know, would you like a feedback about this product? Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't do any like opportunity reports or anything, but since for instance, we have the Spanish team and Spanish translators, um, and they've been in the business for a while, I can ask them like, what do you think? Like, is this going to be a good fit for this market? Is it something that Spanish people would buy? You know, like, uh, you know, maybe, you know, in Germany, they would buy, you know, like the leather hosen and stuff like that. But in Italy, like, I don't think people would be that interested as in Germany, for instance, from buying that. So you get like a local opinion of your local buyer, because all of these translators as well, they're also the target audience whom you want to sell this product to. And they're also using Amazon for, I mean, everybody's using Amazon for uh, buying products uh, today. So you basically can get a, a review like, uh, you know, or um, as I said, the clients who ask us like, ah, I don't think that this, um, I don't know, product is performing so well in Germany, I have a really good listing. And the listing is quite good. The keyword is good, but are good, but there's the wrong fit for, for, for the market, you know? Yes. So that's also very important. Like you cannot, you cannot have like a smashing hit product on all markets all the time. So sometimes it's not about the keywords, not about the listing. It's about the product itself. So that's when, when the, the market research um, comes in, you know, um, spotlight, you really have to do a good job with that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's things that when traveling around the world, and I know you travel a lot, there's things that we notice And one of the things, for example, that I know from, from spending 25 years in Europe and mm -hmm. being in Portugal is, for example, when I came to North America, I can see there's every single color in vehicles that you can think of, right? There's yeah. blues, yellows, mm -hmm. red, everything. If you go to Portugal, 90% of the vehicles in Portugal and Spain is kind of the same way. 90% are three colors, white, black, and gray or silver. Right? Yeah. So, uh, 
I, you can go, I dare you to go 24 hours, find one yellow car traveling. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, it's like uh, you want to sell a yellow car in New York and we know that yellow cars in New York are only taxis, you know? Yes. And it's like, you know, why nobody wants to buy this yellow car, you know? And, you know, so you just have to, you know, do a little bit of the research and it's not really going to be that difficult because you can always talk to a lot of uh, different local people and ask them like, look, what is, think of this product is this a good color is this good material like uh, is it something that people in spain like to use you know so you can actually just it's not going to be that a difficult process there are like so many different um expats in the, like every city in the city where you live in and you can get in touch like on facebook groups and you know you can just ask for opinion and people like to give their opinion about stuff you know especially if it's about the the stuff from the country they come from mm-hmm. from from my experience and another thing is, are you even allowed to sell that product in that market? Like exactly, example, you know, you can yeah. sell uh, guns and gun-related stuff in in uh, in the states. While in Canada, I had to remove my uh, a blade was which is a legal size knife because it would had a self-assist, meaning you could put your finger there to help open the blade, and it was banned in Amazon Canada. so they- Exactly. So, you know, you have to see what's going to be, uh, you have to play by the rules of the target market. You really have to adjust, as, a, as I said, with the listing and the localization thing. So you really have to know that it's not allowed, for instance, to sell like a knife like that, you know, that market. And then that's what you have to know when you're translating it, translating it from, for instance, from the German list thing if it's like the you know basics of the text which you're going to take you just know how you have to omit some things or adjust them or not mention them that's also very very important because then you'll get your product banned wow you know again i was just here thinking it's like you don't just do translations you actually know your stuff about amazon and more than one market so that's incredible you know, Thanks. no problem. Listen, uh, before I let you go, I want to ask about the, the different markets. What are the ones that people should be getting into right now? Well, of course, the U.S. market is the biggest market out there. But if you want to expand, and I always encourage people to go internationally because you never know uh, if the product is going to be like super smashing hit like on other markets. And you should just try and go there. And if you want to begin with the, with Europe, uh, it's a common misconception that the UK market is the biggest market, but it's actually the German market. Yeah. So I would always, always um, you know, recommend that you try the German market. You can try UK, of course. You can try the French market. Spanish and Italian are kind of smaller. And if you know you have a, like, a really good fit for those markets, then go for it. But I would stick to... Uh, German, UK, and to the French market. Japanese market is a very, you know, um, unexplored, I think a little bit underrated market. And But I think if you also know, you know, you have the product and you think it's going to be a good fit for that, you should definitely um, do that as well. But it comes to when it comes to Europe, I would stick to uh, UK, German, and French market. Very good. And now for people that are listening to us, where can they find you and your services? Well, you can find us on our website, our website is ylt-translations, plural, dot com. Uh, we, one of our, our co-workers is always on chat there, so you can uh, have a short chat with us. Or you can reach us by email at info at 
www.ilt-translations.com. And I would like to offer all of your listeners 20% on all of our services at the end of August. Uh, and you can just uh, contact us and use the code QA20 when contacting us and we're going to apply the 20% discount on all of our services. Well, there you go. Thank you, Jenna, for a discount for everybody in the audience. Welcome. You guys can go to ylt-translations.com and use QA20. There you go. Perfect. Contact is info at ylt-translations.com. I'll have That's all of this right. on the show notes as well. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yana, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me.